Hacker Public Radio, everyone. My name is Soak. Today I'm going to be talking about Programming 101. I'm going to do a series on programming and try to impart some of the things I've learned in the past ooh, quarter century that I've been coding. So first, a brief history of my experience. When I was around 7 or 8, not exactly sure when it was, but I'm going to use 7 for reasons that will become clear soon. So when I was 7, my brother being the lucky git that he is, he won a ZX Spectrum 48K. Wiki it, if you don't know what that is. We had various games for it, but we also bought some of the Spectrum magazines that had code, or Spectrum basic code, in each one for a little game. And there were things like Snake, nothing fancy at all. In fact, you can get better stuff from cell phones nowadays. But I got used to typing up the code, and then checking for my typos, and then checking for the typos that I typoed in when I tried to typo correct the typos that where you get the idea. Trying to write someone else's coding when you don't know a huge amount of coding is rather a pain. Especially when it's printed in a magazine and sometimes they don't print it too clearly. But it introduced me to programming. Being a Spectrum, as with most games back then, you could actually break into the code and look at it and change it. And I used to hack the code around to give me infinite lives or whatever. Of course I sucked back then. I would actually delete any lines that gave me an error, but it got me into looking at the code. I kept at it for a few years, upgrading to a Spectrum Plus 3 with those weird 3-inch double-sided floppy disks. Yes, 3 inches. And yes, you could actually take the disk out, physically flip it over and use the other side. And it was like 170k on each side, or 180 or something. At school we had BBCs. Again, just wiki it if you don't know. One per classroom, so I didn't get to do a whole amount there. Although BBC Basic was similar to Spectrum Basic, because it's the whole basic thing. From there I moved on to an Amiga, running Workbench, I think 1.3 it was at the time, then 1.4, forget exactly, but Workbench. And this is where I really started to get around to messing around with computers. I had the command line set up with a ton of shortcuts, and I could fly around and do loads of stuff. I played around so much and had a few friends that dabbled, but no one quite as much as I did. I was now at secondary school, which is roughly high school for any Americans listening. And they, where they had RM Nimbuses mainly, and a lab with some BBCs there. I started spending time in the computer labs and coding stupid little things, a paint program here, and so on and so forth. We had a student teacher for a time for maths, and she taught us programming. The first lesson we were told to write a program to find the square root, or the square root to three significant figures, if it was one of these weird ones that carries on forever. The SQR function would have been the one-liner, but we were told we could not do this, but we had to take half the number and then square that and see if it was higher or lower than the result we wanted and then move one way to half between that number and that zero. And Anyway, I wrote the code in a few lines. I think it was six or so with a few comments. Whilst we were waiting for everyone to take their seats in class, we were discussing how many lines people had used. Another friend had used less, but I felt his was a little more confusing. I'll come on to that in a moment. I'm more of a coder that likes to have more lines of code that's much easier to read than a one line that does everything. The teacher was at the front. We were actually at the desk right at the front. And she said she'd written the code in 20 lines. I realised at that point I wasn't going to learn anything from her. You see, I used a loop and she hadn't. But I'll explain loops in another episode. Fast forward to university... I was doing a degree in computing, not anything else, no major minor things like the US, just computing, pure, plain and simple. I learned a bunch of things, Assembly, Prolog, Pascal, Visual Basic, C, and a few others like a weird language written by the lecturer. I bought my first computer, 486DX266, with, if I remember correctly, 4 meg of memory. 
Windows 3.1 and DOS 5 or something on it. I played some games, coded a few things. One of my friends was actually running Linux, but I never actually picked it up from there. Eh, maybe a missed opportunity. So I spent some time coding and messing around, played with the Unix machines in the lab and geeking out way too much. This is where I got into MUDs, if you remember the Dave Yates interview. Then I got a job as a coder and I wrote C on my first day. The company was more of a VB shop actually, so I spent most of my time working in Visual Basic. And then some Clipper, and a few Quick Basics. And I spent well, about nine years at the company first developing and then I got shifted to support as they are outsourcing the development. But I got a little proud of my work. I wanted to make generic code that would work in different places. For example, someone had written a printing module for Clipper. And this is great, I mean, really beautiful. I mean, Uberchick would appreciate this. You can say things like dear, name, i something slash i, and it would populate name from the database with the person's name, and then the i slash i would be converted to italics by looking at driver files we'd created ourselves for the third line or whatever it was which had italics on, and the fourth line which was italics off for that specific printer. This is great. You call the program and pass what printer type, and it works for any printer that we had drivers for. And we could write more drivers just by looking at the printer manuals. I actually helped code a similar one in Quick Basic. Can't take all the credit. When the company merged, we gained a ton more printers, of course, none of which were the same types we had. Quick 10 15 minutes later, and we could get people printing on any of the new printers. Now, well, about 10 15 minutes of our work to make the driver file, then maybe 15 30 minutes testing the few apps, and then wait three weeks to get the file copied over to the production environment. But that's another story. That's the way the business worked. So I started getting a little proud of my work, and I loved it when I could fix and help someone out, and I tried to make the program as inobtrusive as possible. So when the users get a form back from the client, they fill it into a program to enter the details, and you have the program screens matching the forms, so they can just read from the form to form to form and copy straight across. And you have it so you can actually tab from one input to the next automatically, or if it's a date, automatically go through when six digits or eight after the year 2000 were filled in. This made it so much easier for the user because they didn't have to keep clicking on the screen. They could have the form up next to the screen and if they could touch type, they could touch type through it and do it up really quickly. Some of the people I worked with got this and some didn't. Anyway, so I left that job for various reasons. I can't really go into it. It's contractual stuff. Um, if someone wants to pay me like a hundred grand, I'll explain, but it's a long story. Uh, but I left on my own. I wasn't fired or about to be fired or anything. And had I not left, I may still be there to this day. They did redundancies and they were rating people on scores on that redundancy. So I took voluntary redundancy and my score was, I can't remember, I think I scored like 29 or something and the cutoff was like 23. So there was no way I would have actually been fired. So anyway, now I'm 32. And if I say I started at age 7 and not 8, see I told you I mentioned this again, and that is actually 25 years, or a quarter century I've coded for. Admittedly really bad at the start, but I like to think I'm an above average coder. Actually, having seen a lot of the example code out on the net, I'd say I'm a top coder, but I don't have much faith in a lot of the code people put out there. I don't actually think it's that difficult to become a top coder. I'm not, by any means, the best. I am not Linus Torvalds or any of that kind of thing. But I'm a pretty good programmer. So I'm going to try and part some of the things I've learned over the years. If anyone disagrees with me on anything I say, please let me know and we can discuss why I think this is and why you think that is. And I would love to learn some more tips and tricks from people here. That's one of the reasons I'm doing some of these. So if people can teach me stuff, I don't know. I think that's brilliant. And by actually 
doing the episodes for myself, I can say, I'm going to do one on programming and get a discussion started about it. So anyway, programming basics. I'm not going to go into any specific languages for now. I will try and explain the mindset and similar, and a lot of the programming techniques are the same no matter what the language, and if you only learn one language, you're stuffed, because if that stops being popular, you're then in trouble. It's like driving. You learn to drive any car, not how to drive a specific car. ABS brakes, for example, anti-lock brake system. Pre-ABS brakes, you don't just stomp on the brakes to stop. You have to stomp, 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 if it's oily or snow or whatever. If you stomp on the brakes, you're scared. After ABS, stomp on the brakes. ABS figures it for you. You learn why, and it makes you better about it. You don't just learn how for that particular one. Because if you learn how to drive on an ABS car, stomp on the brakes, that's how to do it. You then try to drive a pre-ABS car, stomp on the brakes, or you crash and die. So, learn why, learn about it. So I've got a quick quiz for you. This is quite simple, but it tries to explain the mindset why some things still have bugs. Well, most things. Imagine you're trying to write a program to boil a kettle, to make yourself a hot drink. The old style, stick it on the stove and it will whistle when it's done. I want you to write out a list of instructions that you will need to do this. Simple English language will do, nothing fancy. I'll wait here. Okay, actually, just pause the podcast and do this, otherwise it'll get really boring. Seriously, I would actually like you to stop and at least think about it, okay? Alright, hopefully you've done that now. So, I'm imagining you're going to have something like fill kettle, turn stove on, put kettle on stove, wait for whistle, take kettle off stove, make tea or whatever, yeah? Well, congratulations, you just burnt your house down. You didn't turn the stove off, did you? Or maybe you burnt it down because the whistle was broken and you never checked on it. Or you overfilled the kettle because there was water in it from last time and you didn't check how much was there. Or maybe the stove had no power and so it would never make the water boil. Or a million other things that could go wrong and mess it up. And this is what coding's like. You have to think of all the possible ways it could go wrong and try to prevent it. So the new, improved way for boiling the water would be presumably something like pick up kettle, look at water level, if under a cupful or however much you need, fill water to a cupful. Turn stove on, put kettle on stove. Check lighters on or gas or whatever so the kettle will boil. Wait for the whistle or 10 minutes, whichever comes first. Turn stove off, confirm it's off, take the kettle off the stove, make tea or whatever. Slightly more complicated, but it should work and it's looking good. We've covered some of the obvious things that could go wrong. I'm sure I will have missed bits. You know, I didn't check the kettle was leaking or similar, so you don't need to tell me it wasn't going to be right. It's just an example to try and make you think in that kind of manner. Now, computer languages vary in several ways. The main one is how high or low level it is. A very low level language would be the ones and zeros, whereas the high level language would be more like English. Assembly code, for example, is hard to read as the lowest you can get, basically, without going to ones and zeros, because it gets converted straight into ones and zeros. Assembly code would be something like morvh, bh, int21h, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I can't remember what that does. Actually, it doesn't do anything depending on what's in various registers, but... It's been a long time since I did assembly. But it's really confusing. It don't even have real words. C, for example, is still a low-ish level language, but it is more readable. For example, printf, open brackets, quotes, hello world, quotes, close brackets, semicolon. That would print hello world onto the screen. Well, actually, it wouldn't if you just did that because you need libraries and stuff, but that's just the one line you need. Assuming you've got the libraries, that one line would print hello world onto the screen. 
Visual Basic Web is a higher level language and would be print quotes, hello world quotes. And that would put it out. Now, the English language is a wonderful thing. It allows me to do a podcast like this and talk on it. But it is incredibly vague for some things. For example, the sentence, I didn't put Indian ink in the washing machine. I tried to read that with no intonation. Now let's try stressing different words. I didn't put Indian ink in the washing machine. But I know who did. I didn't put Indian ink on the washing machine. I threw it in there. I didn't put Indian ink in the washing machine. It was permanent ink. I didn't put Indian ink in the washing machine. It was an Indian curry. I didn't put Indian ink in the washing machine. I poured it on top. I didn't put Indian ink in the washing machine. I put it on the photocopier. So depending on what word I stress, it changes the entire sentence. Programming languages are designed to be pure. One thing means only one thing. It's that simple. There is no way a computer can get confused over what each word means. Of course, if you write random words, the computer is still going to have no clue. But it isn't from any vagueness of the language. Now, the plan on these podcasts is that I will cover some things in the language each episode and build them up so you can write some simple programs. Although I've yet to decide on the language. As I mentioned earlier, I have done a turn of my time. I'm just... I've decided I should probably pick one of the following for various reasons. C, because Linux is written in C, and therefore I could actually get some code in the kernel, which would be really cool. Although one strike against it, I did do C in the past, and I was thinking about learning a new language. PHP, because it's on the web, and things like Drupal use PHP, should be quite a marketable skill, and as everyone seems to be going web-based, it would be a useful one. Python, because, again, you can do web with it and you can write Python scripts. I decided against a few things like Mono because, well, there's a few big question marks over it. And it's C-sharp, like I said before, it's not a new or new-to-me language. Um, and I didn't want to do Perl because, well, Wandor does it. And, well, just listen to the Linus Crank's episode about that if you want to know more about that. So, I'm leaning towards PHP at the moment. I would like some feedback, though, if there's language anyone really wants me to do. Give me some reasons, I'll consider it. Otherwise, I will be pressing on with PHP, and next time I'll go through installing PHP, some of the basics, and writing a Hello World program, because I'm sure there is actually a law somewhere that states the first program anyone writes for a new language must say Hello World. So if you want to let me know, either comment on the HPR page, or go vote at zoke.org forward slash poll, P-O-L-L, that is of course not P-O-L-E. I have had this up for a while. And so far, as of the 29th December at 1.21 in the morning, Western Time, Pacific Standards Time, uh, we have one vote for C, two votes for PHP, six for Python, and two for Other. Now, based on that, it may end up doing Python. Um, I think I prefer PHP, but no big deal either way. So anyway, that's kind of a basic overview. I'm not going to do any more just yet trying to get this one out fairly quickly, fairly easily for the beginning of the new year and because I was late for the last one so I want to get this sorted out and so we'll be going through some of these things, how to install the programming language, various tools like I'm liking Genie for example for, for writing the code because it highlights syntax highlighting for things like that and we'll go some th- through some basic things and we'll probably get not much further than doing Hello World but I'm planning on doing a bunch of these and you know, if there's a specific thing someone wants me to write, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had a little program that did, the, 
that did this. Something really simple that I could actually explain in an HBR episode. I'm all for it. Maybe something really simple like just sorting out anagrams of something. You put in uh, you put in some text, it gives you the anagrams from them. Something really simple like that that isn't going to require a huge amount of code. I'm not expecting anyone to turn around and say, hey, write a new Linux kernel, and I definitely won't be doing that. Thank you for listening. If you've got any questions, you can email me at zokosoro at gmail.com. That's x-ray Oscar Kilo Echo Sierra Oscar Romeo Uniform at gmail.com. Or you can visit me at zoke.org, x-ray Oscar Kilo Echo dot Oscar Romeo Golf. Thank you for your time, and you've been listening to Hacker Public Radio. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.